Sam, one of the team here. And I'm saying good morning too to all of our Taramara family up there in the upper north shore as you guys dial in with us. If we haven't met, I'm Sam, one of the team here. And we're looking forward to sharing together over the next four weeks what the Lord is placing on our hearts as our focus for the year. And so uh, this morning, we're going to talk about why we do what we do. When we think about the why, we think about that TED Talk. You know, TED Talks, they're the modern day sermon for people who don't like to go to church, who said that people don't like sermons. They love sermons. We do TED Talks. Uh, Best part about TED Talks, though, is that those preachers at least manage to keep things down to less than 20 minutes. So I'll see what I can do today. But uh, one of the kings of the TED Talks is a guy called Simon Sinek. Anyone heard of Simon Sinek? Yeah, look, we've got a lot of Simon, Simon Sinek fans there. What's Simon famous for? He's famous for his TED Talk where he says, start with the why. Start with the why. And uh, it took off. It's viral. It went global. Start with the why. And I love Simon's stuff. I've read a bunch of his different books. I just don't quite agree with starting with the why. And here's why. I think starting with the why is easy. The hard bit is staying with the why. (laughs) When you know the why then it helps you do the how. When you know the why as to why you want to get fit, then you know how you're going to fit, get fit. It's either going to be cardio or weights. If you know the why behind why you want a strong marriage, it's going to help you develop your relationship. If you know the why behind uh, your singleness at a, p- a point in time, it's going to help you do and how you go about relationships. The why is very important, but staying with the why is the tricky bit. You know, there was a, a company over in the States, if you've traveled over there, called IHOP. Has anyone heard of IHOP? Yeah, IHOP, the International House of Pancakes. And uh, I've tried IHOP. I love their maple syrup pancakes. I'm a big pancake fan. And that's why you go to IHOP, because IHOP do pancakes. IHOP is pancakes. Until, at one point, they didn't think that pancakes were selling very well. And so they decided to turn the P upside down and turn it into a B. And they became IHOP, and they started selling burgers for some reason. And so uh, it was terrible. It was hopeless. In fact, Wendy's, their main competitor, sent out a tweet that said something along the lines of, uh, what did they say here? They said, can't wait to try a burger from a place that decided pancakes were too hard. (laughs) There's always a risk that you drift from your why. We drift from our why and our goals and our fitness goals as human beings, but we can also drift from our why as a church. I've seen that firsthand, and it, it, it often is meant for the most well-meaning of ways. I remember a couple of years ago uh, chatting to one of our family members as we're going through all the turmoil when this whole conference center place shut down and and they said, I'm I'm really struggling about how we're going to fulfill our vision to be a conference center. And it was at that moment that I realized that we've drifted from our why. (laughs) The conference center is the how. The why is our vision to engage the disengage with Jesus. And when we know that why, we can be conference centers, we could cook pancakes. (laughs) If it meant that it helped engaging people with Jesus, because engaging people with Jesus is our why. And and the reason that I go on with this, and you're going to hear stuff from me this morning that sounds familiar, and it absolutely will be, because leaders are repeaters. 
It's a great principle if you're a manager at work or you're part of an organization. Uh, try this this week. Leaders are repeaters. Parents, you know this. When your kids say, why do I have to clean up my room for the 50th time? Because leaders are repeaters. And, and if we can get ourselves confused to think that our vision might be a conference center, then my job's not done. The other statistic is, you know, it takes you about uh, eight times of hearing something compared to when you write it down. Has anyone heard that statistic? Right. So for all of you that don't have notebooks this morning, I get to say this another seven times. <laughs> I like the eye rolls. <laughs> Why do we do what we do? Who are we? We're a church. Our vision is to create communities, online communities, Taramara communities, Crow's Nest communities that engage the disengaged with Jesus. And that is, that is grounded uh, in a value of ours that's been around in this church since 1983 when our founding senior minister, Jay Bassick, heard it from the Lord himself. One of our values that says we accept people where they are, helping them to become all that God has designed them to be. We are a church that is for people. Wherever you're from, whatever you've done, we're for you. And that's how, that sounds noble, doesn't it? Hopefully that sounds inspiring. It inspired me when I first heard that. But there's a challenge, there's a barrier against that sense of vision and calling we have as a church. And the barrier is big. And you know this barrier because you sense this from your family and your friends. You have heard this from your family and your friends. And that is that the biggest problem that we have as a church is that historically... People are all too aware of what the church is against. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> that, that so long people have known what the church is against. <laughs> and as a, as a result, people have begun to disengage. And uh, the big part of the reason is this, that <laughs> there's no better way to turn people off the church than when the church starts policing the behaviour of outsiders better than it being at policing the behaviour of its insiders. <laughs> Nothing spells hypocrisy more than a church that's telling everyone else what it's against when it doesn't live the life on the inside. And, and so few things have made the church more unpalatable to people than when the church holds them, other people accountable for things that they're not holding themselves accountable to. It's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 12, he says, "'Who are we to judge those outside the church?' Which maybe if you're outside the church and this is like your last crack at church or maybe you came into a polling booth and you're part of this and you thought, I'll give it at least one go, maybe that is the best news that you have heard all week. <laughs> the church has been too good judging people outside of it and that's the reason why your friends and your family have said, I don't want anything to do with this. And I've got to tell you, if that's you, that's not your fault, that's our fault as the church, Big C Church. And our country is full of people who have faced and experienced this. And the funny thing is, can you believe this? If you go and read the Bible, there's this fascinating dynamic in the Bible, and it's this. Did you know that the early church didn't expect non-Jesus followers to behave like Jesus followers? <laughs> can you believe that? What sort of a crazy church is this? <laughs> you know, it's just funny when you look back at, at the history of it, what the church actually expected was that Jesus followers would behave like Jesus followers. <laughs> and so as a result, um, people have tapped out. 
People have felt judged. People have felt like there's not a place for them. And so they've concluded this. There's, people have said, your friends, my friends, our families have said, you know, church is not for them because church is not for them. It's kind of like these guys. Let's take a look at the picture of this guy. It's like these dudes. I, I don't know who they are. It could be your family members for all I care, but these these are the these are the people that that I see every day. Like these these are the people. If school sport hasn't been washed out for the last fifteen weeks in a row, would be doing this today. These are the people that are standing on the sidelines. These are the people that wake up. But if it's a Sunday for them, when these guys wake up, they're thinking about their breakfast. They're thinking about bacon and eggs. Their wife, their kids, and who's going to win soccer today? Or maybe these other guys. Have we got another photo there? It's these guys. That's what half of Crow's Nest would be doing if it's not raining for the past 15 weeks. Brunching, lunching. And, and it's people like that that we, that we want to reach. The people like that that may have been raised in Christian homes or been raised as Catholics or been raised with parents that have known something about the faith, but they've concluded that church isn't for them because church is not for them. And so part of, part of our thing as a church is that we want to bridge the gap between the soccer parents and the branches and what we've got going on here. Because I don't know about you, but I, I just love God. And I, I want people to love the things that I love, not because I want to convert them or not because we're on sort of some evangelistic empire, but because I just think Jesus makes life better and he makes you better at life. It's a better deal too, right, Morella? It's a better deal. It's a better deal. We want to shrink the gap. We want to shrink the gap. And so I guess then, would it surprise you in trying to shrink the gap that this is not a new Northside idea? I'd love to claim the credit for it. But this was the first church's problem. This was the early church's problem. When you go back and read the book of Acts, you see that there's this amazing dynamic happening in the very early church. You see the early church, this Jesus movement is exploding all through the countryside. Like Jesus has died, he's been resurrected, people have seen him alive. The message of the resurrection that there's life after death has taken hold out into the countryside and everyone's becoming Christians, even though they weren't called Christians yet, followers of the way. And so Christianity is exploding. It's exploding amongst Jewish people. In fact, the Jerusalem church became the first mega church in history. Thousands of people added to their number in the day. But there's this other subtle dynamic that's going on. Paul, this guy who was sent out to go and persecute and kill the Christians and stop this movement, has become a Christian. And as a result, God sends him out into the countryside to the non-Jewish people that they call Gentiles. And so all of these non-Jewish people are hearing this good news of Jesus. And they're becoming Jesus followers. And they're coming with all of their messed up lives. And they're coming with all of their messed up behavior. And they're coming with all of their lack of religious tradition. And the Jewish guys hear about this. And they start going around to all the towns saying that you can't do that. If you want to be a Jesus follower, then you need to, you need to follow our customs. You need to do what we do. If you're a guy, you need to get the snip, right? Before you can come to church. I didn't see many Roman men suddenly running to go and be part of this church. They, they start doing what every church will inevitably do. They started to drift. Drift from the why. And so in order to solve it, uh, 
what they do, the church leaders, they, they do what every great church leader does. Call an annual general meeting. Call a church meeting about this. And so they have this church meeting and they get, they get everyone together in the church meeting and all the big hitters are there. There's, uh, there's this Apostle Paul that's been going around. There's Peter who was one of the first followers of Jesus. And they've even got James, the brother of Jesus, is there. And they get in and they have this meeting and there's all this backwards and forwards about what we should do and what we shouldn't do and who should be in and who shouldn't be in and what we should make people do. And then this hush comes, comes across the, the crowd. And in that moment, the hush comes across the crowd and James, the brother of Jesus, leader of this Jerusalem megachurch, gets up, chairman of the meeting and says, okay, I've heard it all, guys. Here's my conclusion. And the conclusion is this. He says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should make it easy. We should, we should just remember that the gospel is like the Backstreet Boys once sung. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love me, baby. That's the gospel. That's as simple as what it was. And it's biblically based here, by the way. It was. It's the gospel according to the Backstreet Boys. Because in verse 8 of Acts chapter 15, they say, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit. This is the non-Jews. Just as he did to us. He didn't discriminate between us and them because he purified their heathen hearts, I added that, by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? There's nothing that turns... What he's saying there is there's nothing that turns people off the church more <laughs> than Christians holding non-Christians accountable to behaviour that they can't live up to. It's here. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. In other words, God doesn't discriminate with you and I as Christians on the basis of our behavior when we first became a Christian. So who are we to do that to anyone else? And more simply, we are for people because God is for people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, not the world, asterisk, fine print down the bottom, the world, excluding people of certain races, demographics, sexualities, and other opinions, political or thereof. Right? Last time I checked, all was all. And part of our dynamic as a church, because I know that that can rub some of us up the wrong way, including me. Hey, welcome to church. That's part of what church is about, is about coming together with people who are distinctly different from you. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, humbling our hearts with verses like this to say, there is no distinction that God made toward me that brought me into his love and his grace. And therefore, how do I apply that to someone who totally irks me in this place? <laughs> Welcome to church. We're for people because God was for people. And of course, don't get me wrong, there's ways in which, when you've heard us preach before, it's a nuanced process of living with each other and stewarding each other and challenging each other and judging each other internally. Like, yeah, that's fine when you get into this tight-knit basis of relationship. 
I'm not saying that we're a church free of any type of moral compass in what we do. But we're a church who has the front door absolutely open. Because we understood that if God was a piano bar player singer from New York, he would write lyrics like this. Don't go changing, trying to please me. You've never let me down before. And don't imagine that you're too familiar and I don't see you anymore. <laughs> Billy Joel understood the gospel. Why is it that we spend so much effort as Christians trying to get people trying to change in order to please God? And he says, don't do that. Come as you are. Be as you are. And so let's come back to the soccer parents and the brunches and the rest of it. We want to close the gap between them and what we have here in this space. And part of the way that we want to do it is to say we don't want to make it difficult for people who are talking to, uh, wanting to come to God. We don't want to make it difficult for your family and for your friends and for people from work that you know. And I, I think we do this reasonably well, and I mean this in a non-prideful way, but one of the ways that I know that we do this World Church is I've had people that have brought friends along to this church who have left us to go to other churches, which is fine, but they've brought their friends back here. And I said, what are you doing back here? And they said, I'm not bringing my friend to my church. I'm bringing him to this church. And that is not because we're better than the other church. It's because God has given this church, and as someone who's been a teenager in this church, and someone who's seen the DNA of this church, that if you turned up to this church in its early days, people thought you'd backslidden. This is a church that's had a DNA that says we will always be for people, even if it means a few tut-tuts and erased eyebrows from people outside the church. Are you guys cool with that? And as a result, people go, if I want my friend or my coworker to get introduced to Christianity, I'm bringing them here. Now, they may grow up and they might want something deeper and Sam may not preach deep enough and it may not... That's fine. This, God will work that out. And they can go to another place where, God bless them, they will grow and strengthen and play their part in the kingdom. But our part in the kingdom is to say, if there be a church on the North Shore that anyone can come to, it will be here. Free of judgment, as best we can. <laughs> and so it comes back to this question. If everyone knows, and this is what we're thinking about this year, this is what we're focusing on this year. It's this, if everyone knows what it is that the church is against... What if, as a church this year, we could help the church be known for what it's for? That we be known for what we're for. And so, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be unpacking this dynamic. I don't really want to say the movement word, but we want to unpack a process where we exist for the North Shore. That we will test and try strategies in which people in our communities will come to know that we are for them. And it won't mean preaching to them or evangelizing. It might just mean serving them. We want to help businesses. We want to help schools. We want to partner with some of the issues like domestic violence that are still rife in our area. Alcoholism, substance abuse, all of these sorts of things that are happening. And we don't want to do it ourselves. We want to lift up and champion the organizations that do this best. And guess what? Even if they're not Christian... Because we dare to believe under God's, and it's a theological concept here, common grace. That God can work just as wonderfully and beautifully through non-Christians as he does Christians. 
that we don't have the right to say that we are the champions of all things good and beautiful in the world because we worship a good God and a powerful God and a pervasive God and it might just be possible that he works through the beautiful and the good friends that you have that are yet to follow Jesus. We don't have a claim to that. So let's support that church and let's lift that up with the community that we see around us. And so you might ask this morning, well, you know, what, what part do I play in all of this? How do I start to work this out? And this is what we'll talk about in the next few weeks. But we simply want you to do this. We want you to create common ground that creates conversations that then leads to connections. Create common ground. I heard a, I heard a fascinating uh, podcast between Adam Brand. I get his name wrong all the time. Grant or Brant or Bent? Grant, G-R-A-N-T. Adam Grant. Thanks, Krista. Grant, as I would say. <laughs> I am from the North Shore. <laughs> Adam Grant, Grant, potato, potato. Uh, Adam, Adam Grant and Andy Stanley had this uh, amazing discussion. Adam Grant's an organisational psychologist out of the United States and they're dealing with the deep division that's happening in the States at the moment politically. And Grant has a, a fascinating dynamic. He says, when, when you're in this space of disagreement, find the common ground. Find the common ground. And I shared with you, and I may not have shared with the Taramara community, so if you're listening in, I, I didn't share this with you guys last week, but I received the most gracious decline to our invitation to join us in the service about a week and a half ago. See, uh, someone had taken a Tim Tam and dropped it in the letterbox of one of our neighbours and invited them to church. And this email back came back and read, uh, thank you for your Tim Tam. I won't be coming to church, but I had an immense sense of goodwill from your kind gesture. But he said, this guy Wayne, that uh, something along the lines of, uh, but, you know, when I grew up in Sunday school, there were too many anomalies with Jesus. And in my long life, I've come to realise that I can't possibly believe in a God. And furthermore to that, I have a deep disdain for the church's abuse of children in the institutional sense. And I've got a deep disdain for the havoc that the church has wreaked throughout history. He said, but your little Tim Tam at least showed me that it's a nice feeling that there is a community of people in my community that love each other. And I wish you the best. To which I said to him, hey Wayne, thank you for the most gracious decline to an, an invitation we've ever had. And I said, we may not agree on the whole God thing, but we certainly agree on the things of the church that have pained us both. Common ground. And if maybe, just maybe, you're able to get past that, then you're always welcome to come and witness a bit of this community of love. Find the common ground that might lead to some conversations that leads to connection. We want to do that because for too long, guys, the, the church, the big C church, the church broad, and of course there are lots of amazing things that the church has done over the years and is doing, but for too long, the pervasive sense of people is that ch the church has either had an adversarial relationship at worst or a non-existent relationship at best with people outside the church. And we want to change that. We want to flip the script on that. We want to turn that upside down. We want to have these sorts of connections with people. We want to create the common ground, and there's something that you can help to do about it this week. It's going to be a little experiment for all of us. 
Um, what we want you to do this week, just to try it out and see what happens about creating common ground and connections, we want you to pay it backwards this week. And here's what I mean by this. Um, pay it backwards. When you're at the cafe getting your morning coffee, pay for the person's coffee behind you in the line. <laughs> if you're going to the Macca's drive through and it's Friday night and it's crazy with the kids and you're going through, ask the Macca's attendant, because they've already got the order of the person behind you, ask them what their order is and pay for their order too. Uh, if, if you're um, in a situation at the canteen on Saturday at the school sport and you happen to run into those soccer dads that you see, pay for their coffee. Um, pay it backwards and maybe just maybe if God ordains it someone might catch up with you not because you're kind of waiting and lurking around the corner boo <laughs> right don't go boo for Jesus <laughs> but if maybe just maybe God ordains the connection then you can say this they say why would you do something like that and say hey look I'm, I'm from a church that's just got a desire this year to help the community know that we are for them and we just want to let you to know today that we are for you. God bless. No invitation, no www.northsidechurch.org.au forward slash evangelize. Right? None of that. We're just, we're just for you and I believe that there's a God who's also for you. And maybe, just maybe, we'll see what he does with all of that. I'm asking for your help this morning to create common ground with people. But of course, it's a week. <laughs> it's a week in which all of us, in light of what's happened last night, might need to find a little bit of common ground with people. And you know what I'm getting at. And I'm not going to say it because we don't talk religion and politics. <laughs> common ground, and it starts in the simplest of ways. Started in the back seat of our car. When our kids said, is Anthony Albanese a bad man? And in that moment, we said, no, uh, he's a good man because people may not agree with him and people may not like him. But what we can see, just like Scott Morrison, is two men who wanted the best for your country, our country. And their little Chelsea said in that moment, Australia's one of a kind. <laughs> We are one of a kind. And we will, can, can continue to be one of a kind when we can seek to find the common ground. Whether you're labour or liberal, all of us have a heart's desire and the passion stems from the common ground that we want Australia to have a better future. We may disagree how we get there, but we're agreed on the common ground. And so it goes for Christians. Guys, I don't know about your family and friends, but there are a lot of people who need hope at the moment. And we've got hope. There are a lot of people who have been just in a head spin through COVID wondering what's happening and they need purpose and they're seeking purpose in their life. We've got purpose. There are a lot of people who are asking the big questions around is there life after death or does our life actually mean something? We can find common ground with the meaning. And it doesn't matter if you're Muslim or you're New Agey or whatever it might be. The general sense of humanity is that we're asking the deep question, is there something more to life than this? Let's meet people there, not up here. And may we find the common ground, and we'll talk about that more next, next week. But I, as we wrap up, I want to ask you this question. And it's a question that's been bugging me as we begin this series. 
It's a question that bugs me. It's led us to thinking about how do we be for the North Shore? The question is this. If our church disappeared tomorrow, would our local community notice? Would the people around you notice? Would your neighbours notice? Would people here notice? And I'm not sure if we can fully answer yes to that to the extent that we would like it to be. And that's why we want to be for the North Shore this year. And it's not a new message, as you can see. It's been happening all throughout history. But all we're doing now is rallying around the word for because this is our why. We are a church that is for people and we don't want to drift from being for people. We want to be the sort of church that is able to say to any person that is here today and if it's you today in this moment, I want to say this to you. God says to you, please, 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 don't go changing trying to please me. I love you for wherever you're at. And you're amongst a bunch of people who are doing their darndest to help you know and feel that you are accepted where you are. And we want you to be all that God has designed you to be. Let's pray. Lord God, I know in my heart of hearts that there are aspects of this that are not new but I know in my life Lord are still to be refined and as we begin this unfolding reminder of the precious thumbprint that you have placed upon this church its radical openness I'd pray for each of us that there would be hearts open humble humble 